This is Basketball You. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in. This is Basketball You on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tyler Aki. Be sure to rate, download, and subscribe. And tell all your basketball, your college basketball, loving friends as well. On today's show, we're going to get you a fresh top 12. Also, some interesting things about the NCAA tournament and potential expansion. And what does the, the AP poll even mean these days? Because... Boy, we just had a big week of upsets here in the first week of 2023. Happy New Year's to everyone as well. And this is 2023, and it is now the year of no more undefeateds. After New Mexico lost to Fresno State, Richard Patino and company, their 14-game winning streak snapped on the road in their third Mountain West game of the season. So we will get into the week of upsets in just a second. But first, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore Tyler, A-K-I underscore. I'm always tweeting out my college basketball thoughts from throughout the week there as well. All right, let's get into it because it has quite been quite the week for college hoops. Let's start with some of the big upsets for the entire week, all right? It's only January 4th, but so far in 2023, we have already had 10 top 25 teams lose, and there was only one game that got played with a top 25 team on New Year's Day, and spoiler, that team, UCLA, did not lose in that game. So, Looking back on the week that was, it started off with a bang on Monday when number one Purdue lost to Rutgers. And no, you're not, this is not a deja vu episode. You didn't download the wrong episode of Basketball U here. Yes, for the second straight year, Rutgers took down number one Purdue with Robbie Hummel on the call. We have to talk to Robbie sometime on this show because I wonder how many Purdue fans are turning their back on Robbie Hummel right now because of the fact that he has called the only two games where number one Purdue has lost. A legend of the program, one of the all-time greats, not just in Purdue history, but Big Ten, college basketball. He was amazing with the Boilermakers, but he was on the call last year when Ron uh, Harper Jr. hit the shot, and he was on the call this year when Matt Mulcahy sunk the Boilermakers. The, Purdue made it a little bit longer at number one this year than it did last time around, but Purdue, they lose to number one Rutgers and that, at Mackey Arena, too, so that was a, a tough one to swallow for the Boilermakers. Another big upset that we saw, the... Uh, most points scored in a Big 12 game. That was 219, and that is number six, Texas, losing to Kansas State, 116-103. to 103. This game was way out of hand in the first half, and then once you got into the second half of this one, the, the scoring just exploded in this game between Texas and Kansas State. It, it was a game that Kansas State was in control of for its entirety, but in that second half, Texas put up 63 points while Kansas State put up 58. That's NBA stuff, and they only play a 20-minute half there as opposed to the extra four that you'll see in the NBA. But number six, Texas, their first loss without Chris Beard. I'll let you know what that means for them in my top 12 when we get to it later on in the show. Um, and then how about Kansas State head coach Jerome Tang? You know, Kansas State's actually had a nice little start to the season. They're 13-1, and 2-0 in the Big 12 so far. Um 
they, they've beaten West Virginia, and they've beaten Texas. So one of the tougher starts that you could have in Big 12 play and Kansas State passing it with flying colors, their lone loss this season at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Now, Butler's not a very good team this year, but uh, a 12-point loss to Butler on the road, not the worst thing in the world there. And Kansas State actually looks like a pretty good team. I'd imagine they will be ranked uh, when we get our next iteration of the AP poll. But Jerome Tang, after the game, that next morning, I guess they stayed overnight in Austin, Jerome Tang was making omelets for the guys after the win against Texas. And I'm wondering if this is going to become some sort of trend um, because they did go on the road to Austin and take down Texas. It reminds me of Kevin Keats at NC State. And we'll get to Kevin Keats in a little bit too. Um, But Kevin Keats at NC State Every, every time they won on the road, he would go out and take the team out for ice cream. It was almost like Little League Baseball all over again where, hey, coach is taking everyone out for ice cream after, after the game, especially after a big win. Uh, but Kevin Keats did that, and Jerome Tang, with a little bit of a healthier option here, he goes with the omelets the next morning after uh, his Wildcats took down Texas, number six, Texas. Number 11, Virginia loses to Pitt, 68-65. to Pitt quietly having the best start in the ACC right now. They're 4-0 so far to kick off conference play, and don't look now, but, but Jeff Capel's team is playing some really sound basketball and I look at Virginia as one of the teams that you know I I like Virginia this year I still like Virginia this year but at the end of the day they are a team that has overachieved a little bit to to open up the season now looking at what Pitt has done so far this year there there are four um their four conference wins have come against NC State, Syracuse. They did beat North Carolina the other day, too, who just recently got back into the top 25. And then they beat Virginia. So they've knocked off back-to-back uh, ranked opponents on their home floor at the Oakland Zoo. But the, the road win against Syracuse, where they were in control of that entire game until Syracuse made a little run at the end. And then an eight-point win on the road against NC State. They also crushed Northwestern as well. And I do want to talk about Northwestern a little bit later on in the show, too, because they're off to a nice start. They got a nice win against Illinois, but they crushed Northwestern in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, a 29-point win on the road. Um, and then their losses this season all came at the top, pretty much. Uh, loss against West Virginia, Michigan, and VCU right out of the gate. Those were three of their first four games. But since then, it's only been a one-point loss to Vanderbilt. And Pitt is looking like a team that, even though they've had to deal with some transfers out of the program, and, and have dealt with a lot of stuff over the course of uh, the last couple of years with their program. 4-0 to start the year, tied with Clemson atop the ACC standings right now. Um, and what's been a weird ACC so far, your top four teams in terms of standings in the ACC right now, Clemson and Pitt both tied for first with four wins. Then you got Miami at 4-1 and and Syracuse at 3-1. and Everyone else is 500 or worse right now in the conference. So the top teams that we thought would be there, North Carolina, Duke, um, even Virginia, they are not right now situated in the top four in the ACC. Some interesting stuff happening in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I mentioned Fresno State. They took down number 21, New Mexico. That ends the streak of undefeateds in the college basketball. Richard Patino's group was the last one standing. How about yesterday? Just a, a whirlwind of a day in college basketball yesterday. All right, we'll start with some of the less significant stuff here. Auburn loses to Georgia. They get killed by the Bulldogs um, in Athens, Georgia. And number 22, Auburn, they're a team that 
has climbed into the to the AP poll. Don't know really what to make much of Auburn this year. They're a defensive oriented team, and last night the defense just wasn't clicking for them. Miami lost to Georgia Tech. Yellow Jackets were out to a big lead in this one early. Miami closed the gap a little bit on them and took the lead. They went back and forth down the stretch. It looked like Miami was going to hang on, but Georgia Tech was going to cover. But ultimately, the Yellow Jackets pull it out at home. I've always liked Josh Pastner as a coach. I think he does a really good job. Um, And yesterday, a a win against a ranked Miami team that – Miami is a team that whenever they're ranked, they're sort of an enigma to me. And they, it's, that's the case once again this year with Miami. I haven't figured out quite who they are uh, yet this season. All right. Getting into the good stuff here, though. Number 16 Duke doesn't just lose on the road to NC State. They got clobbered 84-60. to 60. I need my celeb shot. Get me in. John, tap me in. Tap me in. Uh, <laughs> Coach K is probably shaking in his boots right now in his palatial office, still at the Duke basketball uh, facilities right now, which is just a little bit weird. Um, But uh, Duke loses. uh, They start the game 0 for 13 from the field. NC State opens up this one on a 20 to 2 run and never looks back in this one. Kevin Keats. He's a winner. Even though he hasn't done much winning, he is a winner. And he won this one handily here against NC State, you know, or against uh, the Duke Blue Devils. And and this is, I know, a rivalry that means a lot more to NC State fans than it does to Duke fans. But this is a game that NC State's going to get up for every single year. Um, And in this one, they just, they were the better basketball team for 40 minutes. They punched Duke in the mouth. And Duke, 21 turnovers in this game. You cannot turn the ball over when you are a heavy favorite like Duke was in this game. You cannot turn the ball over at that clip against this NC State team because NC State only turned the ball over six times. If you lose the turnover battle 21 to 6, I don't care if you're the Fab Four. I don't care if, if you're um I don't care if you're like some of these historic Duke teams. You cannot or the Fab Five, I should say. And then and then you got the the Duke teams, of course, the, the legendary Duke teams. Um you cannot turn the ball over 21 times. You cannot. You cannot be 2019 Virginia and slow things down. You cannot be the Baylor team that we saw a couple years ago win it all. If you're losing the turnover battle by 15, you're not winning a college basketball game. It's just not happening. So that was interesting to see. Didn't expect that at NC State, but, boy, they sucker punched them and never looked back. They also were head-to-head on the rebounding battles. They 38-38. And Duke's a really good rebounding team, but if you can keep them off the glass and go stride for stride with them, then you're gonna you're gonna give yourself a chance in that game against Duke. How about this? This was the the upset of the night yesterday, and that is Providence, who's sneaky getting out to a nice start here, goes out and beats number four UConn. The dunk was rocking last night. I know they changed the name of the dunk. I can't remember what it is, but the dunk was rocking last night. I would have loved to be there. 73-61 win over UConn. And I'd just like to apologize to all the UConn fans out there because uh, I jinxed you. I really did. The last time I came on this show, um, I said when we were doing our our conference previews, my my burning question for UConn, I I put one team in the winner's circle in the Big East. It was UConn. My burning question was, how many games will UConn win the regular season by? Not if. 
How many games will they win the regular season by? And they have suffered back-to-back double-digit road losses. Since I said that, they've been bumped from their number two pedestal in the AP poll. And um, I'm looking at what the the road ahead looks like for, for UConn. This is the tough stretch. This is going to be the toughest stretch of basketball that they're going to have to play all season long. Uh, you got Creighton at home coming up and then Marquette on the road. Listen, if you can just take care of business in those two games, I think it evens out some of what we saw against Xavier and Providence, and you'll still put them in the driver's seat to win the Big East. Um, but right now, Providence 5-0. and They're pacing the conference. Xavier 4-0. and Those are the two teams that with wins right now. And then you look at the next two teams, Marquette and Creighton 4-1, and 3-1. and Those are the next two teams in the Big East standings right now. And then you get UConn at 3-2. and I'm not worried about UConn, but... I think the one thing, and the same can be said about Purdue, too, um, and, and th- some of their losses, and, and they could lose tonight as well. They're not a favorite against Ohio State. They're a one-and-a-half-point uh, underdog on the road at the Schottenstein Center um, in Columbus, Ohio, according to FanDuel. Um, these are two teams that were not ranked to start the season and have elevated to extreme heights. I think that Purdue is certainly a little flimsier. That's probably a little more of the nature of the conference that they play in. Um and then UConn is still looking for that scoring guard. It, it, I'll get to it when I get to my top 12. But I, I do have questions about both of those teams. Um, even, even when I've been talking about them in the top 12 this year, I think I've remained pretty consistent that they are the top two in the top 12 for now. I could see this going sideways. At, maybe not as much UConn. Definitely Purdue. But I could see it going sideways for both of them at a given point just because of the fact that they weren't these heralded teams to start the year. You could probably tell in my voice, I always wanted to put Houston number one, but I couldn't really justify putting Houston number one um, in the in the top 12. But uh, I think you'll, you'll see a, a nice little bump for Houston when we get to the top 12 later on uh, today. All right, um, that leads us into Arkansas beating Missouri in a battle, uh, one of two top 25 matchups from yesterday. Uh, this was a really good game, and you saw... Mizzou get out to the early lead in this one. Missouri's been one of the nice little surprises in college basketball this season. Dennis Gates has completely flipped this offense around. Last season, according to Ken Palm, they were ranked 153rd in the country in offensive efficiency. This year, you can chop 150 spots off of that. They are the third best offense in all of college basketball right now. Um, their lone losses have come at home against Kansas and on the road against Arkansas. Those are two damn good teams. Um, you're you're going to hear both of those teams mentioned in the top 12 a little bit later on. But Missouri 12-2 and two right now and look to be one of the interesting teams that's going to take shape here in the, the SEC moving forward. And what's going to be a loaded SEC, I laid out the teams that I think can win this conference, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky. I think Auburn's on the fringes there, even though they just lost. And Mizzou may be joining them right now. Now, Missouri's going to go into a nice little lull here on the schedule. They've got Vandy at home and then road games against both A&M and Florida Get out of that 2-1, and one, and I, I will be very happy. And if you do go 3-0, and oh, then it's it's time to take uh, Missouri uh, 
really seriously because they they crushed Kentucky a couple weeks ago, um, and then they crushed Illinois as well. They're coming off a stretch of really really good basketball, um, and if you can go three and zero right here, I, I would be willing to move Missouri into a, a list of teams that could win the SEC this year, albeit on the back end of that. But uh, I, I do think that this could be a Missouri team that that could make a little bit of noise in the SEC tournament and maybe even win a tournament game or two as well. All right, um, one more game, and it was the game of the night in college basketball last night, and that was TCU in extreme comeback fashion, down double digits in the second half. They come back to beat Baylor on the road in Waco, 88-87. to this was a fantastic game. You saw a big shot from Chuck O'Bannon. Mike Miles in that game was unbelievable. He had 33 points. He's he's working his way into the All-American conversation right now, averaging just a tick under 20 points per game. He's going to have plenty of showcase games as well. Let me look up the, the odds on FanDuel for him to win Player of the Year, actually, because I have really liked the basketball that TCU's played as of late. Um, you look at what they've done. They currently, uh, TCU, they, they don't have a very favorable Ken Palm ranking. They did bump up a number of spots after last night's win from 36 to 29. Um, but they're 29th in Ken Palm. They have the third longest win streak in the country right now at 11 games. And I look at what, uh, what TCU has done. They had the early hiccup. But since then, they have been unbelievable. And you had a win against Texas Tech to open up Big 12 play, and then you had a win against um, Baylor last night. You also beat Utah in a, in a road game. You beat Providence, who, who's been playing really well. Um, you beat Iowa on a neutral site. So they've beat a lot of power conference teams over this stretch right here. And I'm looking through the the odds that you can get on – Mike Miles to win player of the year, he's plus 10,000 right now. So, right, I mean, Mike Miles, he's a guy who he facilitates well. He can score the basketball. He's the the figure on a team that I think will be a top 10 team when we get to the end of the week, especially if this team, well, they have to go out and beat Iowa State this weekend at home, a ranked Iowa State team. Um, but if you do that, you give yourself a chance to to move yourself into the top 10 if you have back-to-back ranked wins and then you go on the road to take on Texas. But that was a huge win. It was a rowdy atmosphere in Waco as well. I was thoroughly impressed by what I saw from TCU. They're a team that I have a long shot ticket on from the start of the season to to win the national championship. And after that Northwestern State loss earlier in the season, um, I was a little concerned because it wasn't just that game. That that was the, just the game they lost. But 11-point win against Lamar, 1-point win against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and those were the first three games of the season. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I could rip this ticket up right now. I don't think it, it's got any chance of cashing. But all of a sudden, TCU looking like a real player right now in the national scene of college basketball. All right, I do want to talk about uh, what has been going on in the vote. to. There was a number of... Um, there was a number of items that were being looked at on a bill for the NCAA, and I look at what some of the things were on that bill, and one of the notable ones for college basketball fans was expanding the NCAA tournament field. Now, this would expand the field to about 90 teams. It will, I think they were maybe haggling about what uh, 
how many teams would eventually get in, but I think the number that they would settle on is 90 teams. And the the NCAA Transformation Committee's final report did recommend an expansion to incorporate 25% of the sport. So what do I think of, of expanding the tournament? No, I, I, I don't think that would be good for college basketball. I, I look at the, the 68 teams, I actually like the, the first four. It's like a nice little appetizer leading into the NCAA tournament. I know there's some people that, that bang the desk for it being the last, um, the last four or the last eight. Um, no, 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 the last four. The last four teams that get in are, are all uh, on that first four. Um, I know some people think that it should all be at large, just the last couple at large, and that if you win your conference tournament, you shouldn't play in the first four, but I actually think otherwise here. The, those eight teams, I like how it's a mix of 11 seeds and 16 seeds. In fact, um, I think you need the the 11 uh, seed matchups or 12 seed matchups. I think you need those just to have intrigue and have some teams with name recognition. Like I don't want to see the the Arkansas Pine Bluff versus uh, versus Texas Southern game every single year in that game. If for for four of those games, right? I think that y- you need some name recognition because we've seen some some notable teams play in that first four over the last couple of years. Like Indiana played in a couple of years ago, Syracuse. Like you do see some big programs who maybe are just having down years play in that first four and certainly some teams with notable fan bases as well it feels like arizona states in that game every single year st john's has played in it uh, a couple times too i believe so i think you do need the name recognition in those games still but i like having the 16 seed matchups in there as well because it gives you the chance to win an ncaa tournament game and even though you could say, oh, it's not the field of 64, it's you're winning an NCAA tournament game. The pomp and circumstances there, the Dayton's uh, the perfect spot for it as well. Um, I think that it's cool to for those kids to be able to say they won an NCAA tournament game because, listen, there's not UMBCs often. There's only been one of them in all of college basketball. Now, we are seeing the 15 seeds start to give the two seeds a little bit more of a run-up for their money, especially as of late. But I, I, would, I think it's cooler to give these kids a chance to win a tournament game as opposed to go out there and get their brains beaten in by Kansas or, or Duke or something like that in the first round as a, in a 116 matchup. I just think it's better for the sport this way, especially now that we're seeing some different teams in the one seed roles. Um, like this year, we'll probably see Houston. We've seen Baylor as of late. Um, now that we're not seeing like the traditional like Kentucky, Kansas mix every single year, I think it's good because those those one seeds, these current one seeds that aren't the blue bloods, it feels like they're putting even a, a bigger hurting on some of these teams. I could be wrong on that, but it feels like they are really putting a, a beat down on some of these teams. And, and I would like to see some of these 16 seeds have a chance for those kids to say, because listen, a lot of these t- kids that are playing on 16 seeds, this is it. There's not even international after this. This is it. This is the end of the line for them in playing basketball. It would be cool for them to say, hey, I want an NCAA tournament game in the first four in Dayton. So I, I, I like the way that the first four set up, but as for expanding to 90 teams, don't like it. I think you'd have to incorporate a lot of buys that way too, and I don't think we should be doing that in what I think is, is the greatest tournament in college, in, in all of sports, really. 
I, I like the way that it's at at 68. Leave it there. I like uh, the current format of the NCAA tournament. There's no need to expand to 90. It's not even a, a watered-down thing for me. It's just I don't need to see these – I don't need to see all these different sort of play-in type games. It, it, it feels it, – it, it's not like the NBA or the NFL adding one or two teams. No, you're, you're almost – you're not doubling, but you're adding 50% of the field to this. And I, I don't like that. I, I'm not a fan of – of that recommendation there, but by the the NCAA transformation committee to expand the the tournament. Um, all right, let's get into my top twelve for this week. We'll start at number twelve, and it's a team that I, I talked about a little bit earlier. But it, it is the Arkansas Razorbacks. They're currently number nine on Ken Palm right now. They did lose earlier in the week to LSU. Otherwise, you would have seen them much higher in this top 12, 60 to 57. That's been a frisky LSU team, by the way. Um, and, and that game was played in Baton Rouge. Um, LSU almost took down Kentucky over the weekend. And I look at what I've seen from Arkansas. They are 12-2 and two right now, 1-1 one one in the SEC, an impressive win against Missouri. And they're doing it all without Nick Smith, who is their top recruit heading into the season. Five-star guy. Um, he wasn't even at the arena yesterday. He had to see a knee specialist. And quite frankly, with the way that we see a lot of college athletes operate, it would not shock me if he's done for the season and just kind of does the get ready for the NBA draft thing. Um, but a, a nice win for, for Arkansas yesterday, and they're doing it all without the guy who was supposed to be their best player this year. They're a, a stingy defense, as they have been for years under Eric Musselman, and they will push the pace on you as well. So uh, I, I really like what I've seen out of Arkansas. They are my number 12 team. On to number 11, um, I said that the, the Big East was a one-horse race, and I am quickly being proven wrong with that estimation, but... I'm going to go with Xavier, who's off to a 4-0 start in the Big East right now. Um, Their only losses have come to Indiana, Duke, and Gonzaga. Three really good teams so far. Um, And I like them slightly more than uh, Providence just because they have similar records, but the losses for Xavier are not as bad as the losses to Providence, or that Providence has suffered. Providence has lost to Miami, St. Louis, and TCU. Again, those aren't bad losses by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think they're as good of losses as they are to Indiana, Duke, and Gonzaga. All of those games, by the way, were single-digit losses for uh, Xavier 2, 7, and 4, while uh, there's a couple of double-digit losses in there for Providence. Both of those teams looking solid this year. Xavier with the double-digit win against UConn at home. The dunk was rocking, like I said. Um, soft landing for, for Xavier into the Big East. They, they played Georgetown and then Seton Hall and St. John's three really just not good teams um but then they showed something against UConn and they are 24th right now in uh the Big East or in the in Ken Palm's uh rankings and currently in the uh the AP poll sitting at 18 I'd imagine as long as they can take care of business this weekend against Villanova which that could be a little bit of a toss-up game just because hangover and and Big East road game, that usually isn't a recipe for success. But um, if they take care of business there, they're a team that could slide their way into the top 10 uh, of the the nation this week. So 
Right now, Xavier, they are my number 11 team in the top 12. And by the way, the way that I construct this top 12 is my top 12 teams at the time of recording. I'm not eliminating games that I saw for the week and giving you, oh, what is my opinion of who the top 12 teams were at the end of this week? No, it is my top 12 teams at the time of recording. And Xavier, a team that was not ranked a week ago, they are in my top 12. Arkansas, they, they just stayed stagnant at 12 in my top 12. Um, on to number 10, and that is the team that had uh, the most thrilling win of yesterday. It is TCU. They were not ranked heading into this in my top 12, but they are now. They are the number 17 in, team in the country, according to the AP poll. Um, I mentioned earlier, Ken Palm not as favorable on them at, at 29 but you win against Iowa State this weekend. That'll change a lot of things. You could find yourself in the top 10 of the AP. This was the first time TCU has played in a ranked matchup where both teams are top 25s, and they've won on the road. Their first AP ranked matchup road win in program history. And, of course, riding the 11-game winning streak right now, third longest in the country. And they've done it with some some nice wins along the way. I mentioned the Baylor, Texas Tech, Utah, Providence, um, Iowa, so there's some nice wins sprinkled in there for TCU, and, and I really like what I've seen out of them, and I'm, I'm holding out hope. They could be a team that could make their way and, and, and play a, a home-ish game in Texas um, at the Final Four in Houston, so would be a lot of fun to see. All right, my number nine team, they took a one-spot bump from a week ago. That is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Listen, you're just going to see Gonzaga steadily climb my top 12 the rest of the season. I'm warning you now, it's going to be baby steps with Gonzaga, but they are going to climb. I'd imagine they'll finish in the top four, three when it's all said and done within my rankings, but they're just going to take baby steps up the ladder the rest of the way. They beat Alabama. They're currently on a seven game win streak right now. Um, Want to know to start uh, WCC play with a, a throttling against Pepperdine, where they scored over 100 points. They've actually they've eclipsed 100 point 100 points or more in three of their last four games. I get one of those was not against a D1 team in Eastern Oregon, but still impressive when you look at it. They've done it five times this year. Um, Sometimes in a conference, you don't get five games that where a team reaches 100. So the fact that they've already done it five times, and they did it, one of them against Alabama too. So that's a, that's a formidable opponent there and a top 20 defense. So I, I like what I've seen out of Gonzaga. Their losses this year came against Texas, Purdue, Baylor, all really good teams. Um, and you're just going to see this team continue to climb because the WCC is not what it was last year where they were actually a pretty good uh, conference last year. They were better than the Pac-12, frankly. Um, but you're just going to see them continue to climb. And Drew Timmy is playing some really good basketball right now. Over his last seven games, he's averaging um, 27 points, about 10 rebounds, four assists, a steal and a half, and he's shooting 70% from the field. He has been a monster these last seven games, and that is a big reason why they are on a, what do you know, seven-game win streak right now. So Drew Timmy proven his case for player of the year. My number eight team, and it be, it's because they've lost twice in the span of since I, I last did these rankings, um, UConn. Uh, with a six-spot drop in this one. I did jinx them by saying how much will they win the Big East by, but back-to-back double-digit road losses after running through the Big East, that, that's that's tough. I, I get they were tough games, back-to-back road games, but um, I, I would have thought we would have seen UConn 
if if they were losing games, it would be maybe like they get their doors blown off once by 15, but I would have expected them to bounce back with a win against Providence. Certainly was not the case. And I'm still I'm still optimistic on UConn, but again, just like with Purdue, a little bit of pause with them because they weren't ranked heading into the season. And Sometimes they just need to have that go-to guy in crunch time. And right now, when you look at this UConn team, it almost feels a little bit like a Big Ten team in the tourney. Like, they've got bigs that can get you buckets. And Adama Sanogo is one of the best in the entire country. Donovan Klingon's shown some nice things as well as 7-2 freshman. Um, but sometimes you just need a guard that can score. Case in point, TCU last night. They, they had a guard that went out there and got them 33 points. Sometimes you just need that guard that can score, and UConn right now is is still kind of searching for that. Who's that going to be? I think the, the same reason why um, Villanova has struggled this year is who's going to be that scoring guard? I, they have looked a little bit better with, with Cam Whitmore as a part of the fold for Villanova, but the you need to have that that guard that uh, or even like a, a wing too that that can score for you and. and we, they don't have that right now, Villanova being, um, and they've had it for a, a span of years. And that's kind of why you've seen them, I think, take a little bit of a dip this year. Um, number seven, a team that also dropped six spots, it is Purdue. Now, you may be saying, really, Purdue's dropping six spots just for one loss against Rutgers? Um, Purdue's a team I think a lot of people have been waiting to bounce, but you just ha- you can't bounce a team that's 13-0 and um, and is 2-0 in their conference as well. The, the Boilermakers were playing with their food for a little bit. Uh, close game against Davidson, close game against Nebraska. And then it, it all kind of came to a boil here, and, and you lose against Rutgers at home, too. I get Rutgers has some solid wins this year. They beat Indiana. They beat uh, Wake Forest as well, who, who um, played a nice game against uh, UNC last night. Um, they played a really close game against Ohio State, too, on the road. Rutgers looks like a good team this year, but there should be revenge on the mind from a season ago, and to lose this game against the Scarlet Knights in the the devastating fashion that they did, I'm bumping them down to number seven because, again, just like with UConn, they were a team that didn't begin the year ranked, and I still think there's some warts on this team, notably three-point shooting. Um, Right now, they're they're shooting 30% from three outside the top 300 in the country, so... There's still some work to do with this Purdue team. I've got them seven right now in my top 12. On to to number six, Tennessee. They are bumping up a spot. They are actually, the Ken Palm metrics love them, um, partially because Ken Palm loves defense when it factors in its calculations here. The number one defensive team in the country, you've heard me say that a lot this year, Um, but they take a one-spot jump up to six, but they're the number two team in Ken Palm right now. Back-to-back wins, uh, one against Ole Miss on the road, and then they blew out Mississippi State, a team that a Mississippi State team that has played some pretty good basketball this year, um, but they beat them by 24 in Knoxville. Now Mississippi State struggling a little bit; they've lost their last three, but they opened up the season 11 and 0 and were ranked once upon a time. Uh, I really like what Tennessee's done; they just kind of take care of business, and the only games that they've lost this year. Arizona on the road, you will hear from the Wildcats in a little bit, and Colorado early in the season. But I think my the overwhelming thing and the overwhelming 
uh, advice I want to part on you as you fill out your brackets in March is going to be pretty much take November and scrub it when you're evaluating a team because I don't think it tells a story. I'd much rather see what they did in their conference and in some of the challenges and maybe some of the non-conference games in December too because that's when you're really forming as a team. Um, that's why I think you, you see some of these Maui teams really struggle. Now, Battle for Atlantis teams, you see played pretty well and Tennessee um, they did go out and win the battle for Atlantis and there's a very strong track record of teams getting to the final four I could it be coincidence absolutely but I'm gonna ride with the trend and uh, Tennessee is a team that looks like it can make its way down to Houston Uh, my number five team and the team that took the biggest leap this week within the top 12 is the UCLA Bruins. They did play a close game with Washington State the other day, but back-to-back road wins in the state of Washington. They're 4-0 to open up conference play in the Pac-12. 10-game winning streak for the Bruins right now. And I I just look at what what UCLA has done. Again, they're taking care of business. They're two losses this year, neutrals against Illinois and Baylor. That Illinois loss, not looking great, but... um, I look at what UCLA is doing and just the way that the Pac-12 is shaping up. Just don't trip up. If you're a team in the Pac-12, and the same goes for Arizona, if you're a team in the Pac-12 and you can just take care of business, like is UCLA going to lose a game to to Arizona? I'd imagine they'll lose at least one of them, right? And I would say the same for, for Arizona on the other side. I think they'll lose one game to UCLA. But if those can be your only losses in conference play, maybe a trip up in a rivalry game or something like that, um, but if you can if you can limit your your regular season losses to two, you you've got you've got my eye because taking care of business is something that I don't think we give enough credit to in sports in general, um, especially in college sports. If you just handle your business and don't trip up in stupid games, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of success in post seasons that way. And UCLA is a team that. I think can do that. And they're not going to have Amari Bailey tonight against USC in a rivalry game, but you've got a lot of vets on this team. Uh, Tiger Campbell, Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Clark, um, and and you have gotten some freshman contributions too from Adam Bona too. So um, I I really like what I've seen out of UCLA so far. 10-game winning streak, and I don't think it's a fluke either because there have been some significant blowouts in that span as well. On to number four it is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And by the way, congratulations to Adam Abdallah on the birth of his daughter, Layla Rylan Abdallah. Roll Tide for Layla. Um, and and maybe, maybe that'll be like my gift to Adam. I'm going to gift him an, a little ore, all right? A little ore for the baby because we are grabbing an oar and spacing the floor with Alabama right now. They are putting up some astronomical offensive numbers. Slapped 84 on Mississippi last week, uh, 84 to 62 um, on Tuesday, rather. And then they also beat Mississippi State um, by 11 as well, just handling those two teams. That Mississippi State game, too, also came on the road. Um, Alabama's playing fantastic basketball right now. Uh, my man crush for Brandon Miller sees no bounds. Um, he is my favorite player in the country to watch just because the fit of system and everything. He was 5 for 10 from 3 against Mississippi State on the road um, in, in that win. And I, listen, he is going to be the first college player taken off the board in the NBA draft this year. No doubt about it in my mind. He's, he's in the system that amplifies his strengths 
And he's just a very talented player as well. Everyone's using the, the Paul George comp with him, and I don't think it's wrong. Um, just a lanky wing who plays both ends of the floor and can shoot it from three at a high clip and is shooting it. He's shooting a lot of threes this year, too. Um, already taken over 100 for the season, and he's uh, he leads the team in terms of attempts. And he's shooting 44% from three. It, it, what he is doing, like, it almost... If this Alabama team gets to the the Final Four and maybe even gets to the National Championship, like, and I don't know if they can get there, but for right now, they're my number four team because they are... There's no reason for them not to be. Um, if they do that, we could be looking at Brandon Miller in the same vein as Carmelo Anthony, as just this dude who could score and propel a team to a Final Four. Like, yeah, are there other um, younger pieces on this team? Yeah, but like Syracuse in, in 03 had a bunch of younger pieces on that team as well. When you look at Jerry McNamara, um, was another young guy on that that team, and he actually was the star of that national championship game win against uh, against Kansas when he hits those six first half threes. But I, I I love Brandon Miller. I think he he really needs to be in the Player of the Year conversation. And is he going to win it? Probably not, just because he's a freshman and he doesn't play at a blue blood program. But we we have seen Alabama look really good this year. Um, Crimson Tide currently in the AP poll sit at seven, but I'm giving them a bump in my top 12 up to four. They take a two-spot bump. This is going to be a great test on Saturday. I'll go through the slate of what games we're looking at for this weekend too. Um, but they they host Kentucky and then travel to Arkansas on Wednesday. And if they if they go 2-0 in that stretch, this is going to be a team that, that's going to be staring down the, the number one spot. Um, it could be back and forth with them in Houston. And remember, they've got the head-to-head win against Houston. And I think at a certain point, the games have to matter. Head-to-head, Alabama beat Houston at Houston's gym. So um, I really like what I've seen out of Alabama so far this season. And if they can pick up these two wins, then, boy, you're talking about a really strong team. And, I mean, Nate Oates is my one of my favorite coaches in the country as well. All right, on to number three. It is the Arizona Wildcats, a one-spot bump from a week ago. This Arizona team, they held Arizona State to 60, but that's a bad offensive team. The biggest question with Arizona this year has been their defense, and I get it. Like Arizona State, not a, a great team offensively, but you, you take you take your strides, right? Uh, it's baby steps with this entire thing, and I think that Arizona you've got a soft stretch. It's the same thing I said about UCLA. Five-game stretch here of soft opponents, and then, all right, you host UCLA. Can you take round one of what should be your really only Pac-12 challenges for the entirety of this season? It'll be a lot of fun to watch. I cannot wait for that game um, at the end of January. My number two team in the country, a three-spot bump, it is the Kansas Jayhawks. They had a gritty win against Texas Tech the other day. Um, and then they they played a close game with Oklahoma State. Not going to fault them too much for that one just because they always play Oklahoma State tough. Um, Maybe because it's Bill Self's alma mater. I thought we were getting the, the alma mater punt game early this year and at the fog too, but not the case um, as they hold on to win. They were down double digits in that first half and, and came back to win. But... That Texas Tech win on the road, impressive to me, and the way that they came back, and, and they've just got guys 
that can can win in different ways. Like Grady Dick can hit a big shot for you. He, he was a little cold from three in this one, but he understands his strengths. He's not hidden from three in this game, so what is he going to do? He's going to go to the basket. It was four of six from, from two-point range in this one. Daywan Harris, five for five from three in this game. He Listen, he's not going to get the headlines for Kansas. It's going to be Jalen Wilson. It's going to be Grady Dick that get a lot of the headlines for this team. But Daywan Harris is kind of the uh, the engine for this team. They're only going to go as far as Daywan can take them, and I think Daywan can take them pretty far, uh, just based on what I've seen so far out of him as a reigning champion point guard for this Kansas team. I really like what I've seen from Daywan Harris and my number one team, number one in Ken Palm, number one in the net as well. They will be the number one team this weekend, I'd imagine, when um, after the. The new poll comes out on Monday, assuming they don't trip up, which I don't think they will, given that you've got SMU and Cincy on your schedule, and that is the Houston Cougars up two spots. Listen, their their only loss is to Alabama in a game where they were up double digits. So I look at Houston. They've got the number two defense. I'm not worried about them. And Listen, the the roadmap ahead for you is pretty, pretty peachy just because you look at um, the AAC not strong this year. They're struggling to find who that second team or that third team is like Memphis may give you a little bit of a run um, just because they're so um, they've got such a veteran team. But you look at uh, UCF, who did give Houston a scare for what it's worth over the weekend. Um, UCF only lost by six, but they were actually winning for a good portion of that game. Um, I, I still like Houston, number one team in my eyes, really have been the, this entire time. Um, but it, it's hard to justify the resumes at times um, when you've got some undefeated teams that are killing other teams too. So, uh, But Houston is my number one team. They will be my number one team for the foreseeable future, I'd imagine, given the soft AAC schedule. All right. Um, let's take a quick look at what the, the schedule looks like ahead for this weekend. Cause we've got some really, really good games on the docket this Saturday, Kansas on the road against West Virginia. Looking forward to that one. Never easy to go into Morgantown. We've seen Kansas trip up there a few times before as well. Looking forward to that one. Can, uh, Kansas is, uh, predicted to win that one by one. Here is the one catch for that game. Six o'clock on a Saturday. Be ready. It is an ESPN Plus game. So if you are searching for it, the Big 12 has this contract with ESPN Plus. So uh, Danny Zetterman, if you want to watch your Jayhawks, you've got an ESPN Plus account. You know how to log in. Um, Do not call me and do not ask me to help you log into your ESPN Plus because I will not answer. Um, Next up, Texas and Oklahoma State. Want to see how Texas rebounds after the Kansas State game, um, but that should be another good one. Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, these SEC games are must-watch every single weekend for me. We've got another great one with Alabama and Kentucky as well. That's kind of the headliner for the, the entirety of the day, um, but I'm looking forward to see how Kentucky handles uh, Alabama on the road in that one. Um, and then Iowa State and TCU. I, I'm really looking forward to this game as well because – Iowa State has just been a tough team under TJ Otzelberger. And TCU, coming off the big emotional road win, what do they have in the tank um, after that sort of victory uh, on the road in Waco? All right, last thing that I'll get to here before we sign off, and it is the Northwestern Wildcats beating Illinois, not just beating Illinois, 
handling Illinois, 73 to 60. Illinois was never in this game. Um, Illinois right now has a lot of problems. They are 0-3 in the Big Ten right now. Losses on the road to Maryland. They lost to Northwestern as well on the road, but um, we know how those Illinois Northwestern crowds usually are. I will give Northwestern credit. There was a good contingency of students out there for Northwestern, and they did a whiteout and everything. They sold out the place as they usually do with with Illinois. But um, and then you you got blown out at home against Penn State, and not not a Big Ten game here, but you got blown out in the Bragging Rights game too. There's a lot of questions with Illinois, and right now, if I'm if I'm looking through the Big Ten and trying to find how many teams are better than Illinois right now, let's just go through it. Michigan's not good, but they've been better than Illinois so far this season. Uh, Wisconsin is, is a good team, I think, uh, and they're definitely better than Illinois. They play this weekend. Ohio State, definitely better than Illinois. Purdue, better than Illinois. Rutgers, better than Illinois. Uh, Northwestern, ha- listen, head-to-head, like y- you crushed them. I-, I can't say they're not better than Illinois. Penn State's better than Illinois. Indiana's better than Illinois. Maryland's better than Illinois. Michigan State may be where I draw the line of demarcation in the sand. Um, but right there, that's nine teams I've counted out in the Big Ten that I think are better than Illinois right now. Nine and five and 0 oh and three in the Big Ten so far this season. Listen, you don't have necessarily bad losses, but you've got some games that you just should have won. You should have won if you wanted to be a real player in the national uh, scene. But this was a team that got as high as 17 in Ken Palm. They're sitting at 40 right now. And I, I there's a lot of questions to ask about this Illinois team. Um, the defense hasn't been there. I mean, you let up 93 to Missouri. I, I know I laid out the offensive metrics for Missouri, but you've, you're supposed to have a, a good defense. You've got athletic pieces. You've got... Um, you just got a variety of ways to, to win on this team. There is no lack of talent on this team. Coleman Hawkins, talented. Terrence Shannon, talented. Matthew Ma- uh, Meyer, talented. Dane Danger, talented. Jaden Epps, talented. Sky Clark, talented. Like there, There's no reason why this should have gotten to this level for Illinois this season. And they're going to have to find a way to turn it around. And you've got a little stretch here. Wisconsin is a winnable game at home. Nebraska on the road. They're a terrible team. Michigan State at home, you should win that game. Minnesota on the road, you should win that game. Um, and then you've got Indiana and Ohio State. Like, what are you going to do in these next four games? It it has to be 4-0 for Illinois. Has to be, or otherwise you can kiss the tournament goodbye. All right. Um, and then if you want a, a little bit of Northwestern, listen, I don't think Northwestern's this great team, um, but they play great defense. So you're going to be in a lot of games. Like, they were in that game against Auburn. They got blown out against Pitt on their home floor. They got blown out uh, against Ohio State on their home floor. Um, but I think in the confines of the Big Ten, like if you're a good defensive team, you're going to give yourself a chance every single time out there. And you look at the stretch ahead, Indiana on the road and then Rutgers at home. Those are the next two games for Northwestern. Go If you split that, I'll, I'll really start to take you seriously as a team this year. But 2-1 and one in the Big Ten right now. Um, haven't really played anyone of note outside of Ohio State and Auburn. Um, but, yeah, you go, you split these next two, 
and I'll start to talk about you a little bit more here. Um, but yep, that's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. Thanks, as always, for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell all your college hoops loving friends. You can follow me on Twitter at TylerAki underscore. Um, I'm always tweeting out my, my college basketball thoughts there as well. So we will talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the college basketball weekend.